I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. What time is it? And it is indeed hashtag clobbering time. Welcome back to the 5.5 podcast. I am your host and recent Twitter sensation and, you know, butt of everybody's jokes. Danny Ortiz alongside Buffet Destroyer Eric LeBou, fresh from his uh, trip in Missouri. How was uh, how's the buffet scene out there, Eric? How's the barbecue scene, actually? Yeah, not much in the way of buffets, but yeah. uh, barbecue, dude, holy shit. Like, I, li- I have barbecue sauce running through my veins right now. I'm thoroughly convinced of it. And I'm not mad at it whatsoever. Absolutely. Was- I'm actually pretty jealous. Eric sent us a group text with our uh, my cousin and his friend, uh, AJ, uh, that he literally had barbecue for lunch and <laughs> ate a uh, huge plate. Two hours and later. Two hours later, went back for barbecue for dinner. Living the laugh. Dude, four days. So I was there for four days, and I had barbecue five times. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was sitting there, and, and I'll, I'll admit, so I'm, I'm never one, I hate sharing, right? Like, I hate... Stunned. Kelsey, my wife and I will never go somewhere and, like, share a plate. Why would you? Well, I don't know, but, like, in this situation, like, I'm like, dude, if we're going to go two places, like, yeah, let's share something. Like, uh, at a couple of places, we shared a plate, and when I say share, that means I ordered the 80-20? big 80-20? Yeah, in 80-20. <laughs> so, like, I'd order the big-ass plates that I was posting on, hashtag Padres Meat Twitter. And she ate the salad that came with it. No, like, she would <laughs> she would have maybe a rib or two, or maybe, like, a, a, a piece of brisket, and I would have the rest. So, <laughs> when we say, I, I say share, because it makes me feel better about my fat ass. But sure. Yeah, dude, I was eating, and they had, you know how normally, right, how you have, uh, like food at weddings, how you're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's usually good, but it's not like there's usually restaurants that'll shit on it. Yeah. So my cousin's wedding um, in Can- in Kansas City, it was in Kansas. Um, amazing. They had barbecue food there. there yeah, was- I was going to ask you how the spread was at the wedding. Dude, it was so good. So they had burn ends and they had pulled pork. Oh my gosh. They had cheesy corn, cheesy potatoes, potato salad. Oh. Um, and they had salad too, which I was like, huh. <laughs> Get that out of the way. As a famous man one, a famous man once said, my favorite Arizona cousin, good old Javier Villa, once said, "Let's get this healthy stuff out of the way." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we um, cheesy corn. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And pickles, like Midwest, dude. There's pickles everywhere you go. Oh, love pickles. So whenever, whenever you order, Leisure Fryer was talking about how uh, it's white trash that people. Uh, the Midwestern guys, they love putting their white bread, the shitty white bread with the barbecue sauce. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. But it was really good. Like Usually they would put the brisket on top of the white bread, and I would sit there and just fold it up, dude, and it's a bomb-ass sandwich. So. There you go. It was cool, man. So we went back there. Um, I went to see a World War One museum where I learned Morse code. For those of you that follow me on Snapchat, might have seen. Did you text Leisure Fryer Morse code? No. No, I did send him a picture of his Model T that I saw there. But... I was wondering if they had his original uniform when he was initially drafted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I didn't see it. I hadn't. I looked out for our beloved Leisure Fryer, but um, there was that. I saw the uh, the Negro Leagues Museum that they had there it was amazing. Like I, I actually learned a lot of shit that I thought I knew pretty much everything. Well, I mean that sounds stupid, but yeah, I thought I knew a lot about it. But like, there's a lot that I learned walking through that. It's like wow, I had no idea. And they have like this short, um, this short 
film that they play in the Negro League Museum that's narrated by James Earl Jones. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really informative. And then when I walk out, we kind of looked around a little bit. And then they started playing the video and we walked out. And they have this field in the middle of the museum. And there's like, there's at least 30 to 40 kids, um, probably high school age. And they had jerseys, like the jerseys on and and shorts, like in their Uh warmups. And there was one guy who was narrating a tour for them. And so I was, I was trying to read their jerseys and it said like the breakthrough leagues or something like that. It yeah. kind of seemed like the RBI program, kind of. Um, and I couldn't put, I, I saw the guy's face. He looked super familiar, but I couldn't put a name to it until this morning, actually, in the car. I was sitting there. I was like, damn. I was like, that was Mookie Wilson. <laughs> so really? Mookie Wilson was giving him a tour of the Negro Leagues Museum. And dude, the, some of the stories that he had um, were, were just amazing. Dude, it was about like Satchel Paige uh, and all those guys. It was just incredible, some of the stories that he was telling. So it was. Uh, it was really cool. I also saw I, I, I text you guys. I thought for sure when I saw him walking through, I said, oh, man. I, I said, I don't know which one that is, but I know it's an Alu brother. <laughs> so I know that's an Alu brother. I know it. And I even told Kelsey. I said, yeah, there's you know, a whole family. They all lose. You know, they play in the majors and this and that and manage. Uh, I'm not sure which one it is, but, but I know that that's an Alu brother. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Felipe because he's older. And then I'm sitting there, and today, again, it hit me. I don't know what it was today that it, I, I remembered the names, but I, I decided to look it up. It wasn't an Alu. It was Jerry Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> you racist sack of shit. <laughs> I don't mean it. I, I don't mean it like that. But I was, he looked like a freaking Alu. Man. Oh, God. But, yeah, it was Jerry Manuel. So. He looked like an Alu. <laughs> and I look like an Urias, I take it? Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I so, bet. Yeah, it was, it was great, dude. That's it cool. was great. But I was, I was trying to keep up. Uh, trying to keep up with the Padres series in Miami, uh, and I was really excited from what I saw, dude. And like, there was a lot of talk about it, and you know, we, I've, I feel like we've kind of wanted to um, kind of push ourselves and distance us away from falling into the "hey, they they're going for it" type talk. But I'm kind of I'm kind of buying in, man. I'm kind of buying in. You know what? The division is underperforming so much that realistically, I mean, they're playing the Cardinals. Uh, opening up a series this week. If they can hang on, right? I mean, we saw it, Sweeney says, right? If you can win series, and actually Sweeney said it on the air, but if you can win series, then you can compete. Now, granted, they've played the Marlins, and they've played the, uh, what was the other team they played? The Marlins, the the Reds, but they beat the the Braves pretty handedly, I might add, and the Braves are a really good team. Um, So, yeah, I think uh, as we get a little bit They've won like nine out of their last 13. They're on fire, man. They are on fire. It's the the damn Papa Bark curse. (laughs) But they're getting closer to the point to where maybe you stop thinking about selling and maybe you start thinking about buying. What do you think? Yeah, man, it's crazy. You know, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm looking and like the more and more I think about it, I'm seeing guys say like, hey, we need to trade Han, we need to trade Ross, like... I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I, I think I would hold on to these guys, and you got to see what you got. Like, you see Lyles out there, man. Like, he's out there. Uh, he's competing. Yeah, he's competing. Great start. Clayton Richard yesterday, man. He had no hitter out there, uh, pretty late into the game. So it's like, wow, Clayton Richard, man. He's gonna, he's really gonna be able to carry the load for us. And you have Tyson Ross, who's amazing. He's up there in, among the ranks of Chris Archer when it comes to war. I think we might have something, man. I do, too. And, I mean, you look at what they have in backup. Perdomo is pitching very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to uh, check out, uh, and we'll have him on later, John Conniff talked a little bit about Perdomo um, in his uh, 1090 interview with Darren Smith this morning. He's another guy that they have where maybe you don't need a trade piece. Maybe Perdomo's that midseason piece they pull up to help give him innings and to help hold down the back end of the rotation. But, yeah, they're competing. They're getting production. Hunter Renfro has been absolutely on fire. You never know when you're going to get Myers back. That's another thing people talk about. That's what about. I was going to say. As good as this team is playing right now, if the season started on May 1st, they'd be in first place. Easily. Yeah, easily. So just imagine if they had Will Myers on the team. He's played all of, what, 
two weeks. 15 games, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. imagine if they had Will Myers for this whole time, dude. How much better they would be. They're like five games back. They're right in the thick of things. Like, I never thought I would say it. I never thought I'd say it. But I'm buying in, man. I'm yeah. completely buying in. So. Yeah, I mean, you look at the team. You know, Villa's obviously still slugging well over 500. Galvis is having a really good year. He might be a guy that they can keep going into next year. Completely so, underrated. Galvis. Absolutely underrated. I mean, with, I mean, he's up there with Simmons defensively, I think, if you if you really dive into the numbers. Perella's doing okay. Yeah, he hasn't hit a home run, but, you know, he's mediocre enough to, to hold it down. And Dude, like he's said, average. He has one of the highest averages on the team, so I love that he keeps been, yeah. being put in the three-hole. Absolutely. And then you look at Hosmer, who's just having an absolutely stellar year. I know if you look at his RBI, you know, he's not doing so hot. But, I mean, other than that, He's been absolutely stellar. He's been everything they've needed and more. Just as good, if not better, than he was last year. Jankowski's hitting over 300. He is. It's still, amazing. Yeah, it's just, you know, they, and I mean, they they're, they finally benched Margot. I think they've decided they're going to run with Jankowski the majority which of the time. Good. Which is good. Which is good. I 100% trust Jankowski way over Margot right now. Absolutely. Margot's unproven. Yeah. You know? And I mean, even with Renfro, you want to see him play every day, but it looks like he's really found a rhythm as the basically go-to pinch hitter yeah. you know with where you get a spot star I mean, he's basically their mark sweeney at this point exactly i mean spangenberg hit a home run today i know they're playing uh they're playing via right now but yeah. and via and spangenberg are in the lineup at the same time but dude if spangenberg starts hitting i'm sitting via yeah absolutely. i'm sitting via. i mean you, know, you, you gotta, gotta play the hot it. hand you yeah. gotta play the hot hand at this point because at this point you know andy green like we we've always said hey when is the future i think the future's now so you got to play guys like spangenberg if they're hot i don't care about via you know i don't care about race i don't care about guys who in the future could be a piece if, if they're going to be the better option right now i'm going for it because you're five games out you need to go for it yeah especially when you're this close in an underperforming division the dodgers and the rockies i think are barely over 500 you know the diamondbacks had a great april and then fell the fuck off the other thing i want to point out to you is that when myers comes back because ideally he'll be back around july that's what they're looking for do you think a package of renfro and reyes together because we're going to get cordero back i think he's the default left fielder maybe you stick him in center and maybe Jankowski takes Margot's spot, Margot goes down, and you pick one of Reyes or Renfro to go in the corner while Myers goes into right, and the other, one of those two guys goes to left. Do you think they could center a package either around Reyes or Renfro, who both have some impressive moments, and maybe throw in a couple other players and get Chris Archer? Because he's probably going to be on the trade uh, market. I'll tell you what, dude. And we're going to have Derek Togerson on later to tell us about trades that the Padres could make. I would even throw Cordero in that. Like, if, if they needed to put Cordero, if he was the last piece that put it over the top to bring us Chris Archer, guess what? I'm going for it. Because like you said, we've said all the time, World Series fa- uh, flags, they fly forever. That's absolutely you know, right. Like they I'm, fly forever. I'm getting the point, like, as the trade deadline comes up, I'm like, I know people are going to hate hearing this, dude, but, like, if you need to package Tatis to get, like, a Manny Machado to really go for it, I'm doing it. Hey, man, Tatis is it. still two years. I mean, let's be realistic. He's in double A, and yeah, he's tearing it up, but... You know, he struggled a little bit last year in single A and then tore it up and then got the promotion. He struggled a little bit this year in double A, and now he's tearing it up. So the likelihood he's probably going to struggle a little bit when he gets to triple A and tear it up. So you're still at least, I'd say, another year and a half from him realistically being your everyday starter. And even then, I think he could probably produce at Galvis's pace this year right now. You know, slightly below league average hitter, but maybe a little bit underrated defensively. But if that's what you're going to get out of Tatis, why not just keep Galvis for another couple of years 
and then try to make a move. You'll know, use those prospects that you have for capital to try to win now. I would sign him to an extension right now. At least two years, probably $20 million. Yeah, and especially if you're going to trade Tatis, yeah, extend Galvis. You know, just extend him. So I'm really excited to see what this team can do, man. Brad Hand, is he's the lockdown, shutdown, closer that we've always needed. We've got Yates and Simber who can also close. Yeah, those guys should be untouchables, absolutely untouchables as we're going forward because, again, we're five games out. I can't stress enough. We are five games out. We are right there. We're right there. And we're in the thick of it, and we're getting to the middle of June. Yeah. So it's it's getting to that point, kind of like that 2010 year where, you know, you start getting so far in the season, it's it's time to kind of shift gears. You know, Hoyer in 2010 was, let me sign these veterans, Tori Alba and Garland and these other guys, and look to move them at the deadline or get some draft picks out of them. It turned out that they were, you know, actually competitive, so they had to go out and get some players. They went out and got Miguel Tejada. They went out and got, you know, Ryan Ludwig. Tejada was great. Ludwig, not so much, but... I think this is the year you do that. You go out and you find like that Corey Kluber, that guy who might be good in five years that you don't care about right now, and try to go get that marginal upgrade in the outfield or at shortstop or third or wherever they feel they can do it. Possibly catcher. So let's cut through the bullshit. <laughs> let's cut through the bullshit. If you guys listen to sports radio in this town, if you guys read some of the bullshit that's been written. If you listen to Togerson. If you listen to Togerson, <laughs> this is the kind of shit that you've been hearing. And we're not non-stop. having that shit sack on the show, by the way. <laughs> I almost got you to break that point. Oh, God. I had to pull my shirt over. So let's go ahead and stop with this bullshit. Every time I see it on Twitter. Every single time. And there's people who I follow on Twitter that I like and I love interacting with. And I'm like, hey, they kind of know shit. When I see the whole, hey, five games back, when I see him post that shit, I'm like instantly, come on, dude. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like this whole, we went off for, what, 12 or 13 minutes just now talking about all that shit. That's what you're hearing. And stop it. Stop it. Like, I can't stand the the national media, the local media here, going off on their tangents about how, hey, we might have a chance. I know it's crazy to think. I know it's crazy to think. But is the future right now? No, it's not. Okay, they always talk about, hey, we're five games out. We're five games out. You know what? We're also five games under 500. We heard this shit. I'm trying to think of when. I want to say it was like, I think it was 2011 or 12 where they kind of hovered. Oh, it was when they had like a, they just got an Alonzo or something. And they kind of started to, right before that, was, I think Burns had just started. And it was like they were starting to hover around 500. They were fairly close. And then that dope Adler went on, you know, when he had the segment <laughs> on 1360 about maybe they can package blanks and so-and-so and so-and-so and go get somebody. No, stop it. They're only five games back because, number one, two of the last three teams they played. Dog shit. Yeah, the Reds. The Marlins, the Reds, then they beat the Braves. But the Braves, I think, are a little bit overperforming. And Coming then they down beat, Yeah, and yeah. then they beat the Marlins again. So they haven't really beaten anybody. Right now, as we stand, they're getting carved the fuck up by uh, uh, the, the Cardinals and their fucking stud lineup. They're about to face some real teams finally. So the reality is they're not good. Their pitching sucks. The only guy that goes out there with gives you a legitimate chance to win every single night is Tyson Ross. Oh, yeah. Jordan no Lyles... He's been awful. Actually, they posted a stat uh, that Mudcat was talking about, how his first two starts back in the rotation, 52% of the time he threw or 52% of the time he threw his curveball, he got a swinging strike on 52% of the time. His last two starts, 5.2. Yeah, they moved that decimal over one <laughs> spot to the left. Oof. Jordan Lyles is back with a vengeance. Clayton Richard, <laughs> yeah, he pitched almost a no-hitter into the seventh. Whoopty damn do he's but facing like the Marlins. Said, great start, followed by three. Shit. Yeah, that's what he does. He has one or two good starts a month, and then he's got starts where he just gets absolutely tattooed. Freddie Galvis is hitting 20% below league average. He's slugging like three fucking 40. And that was after going deep at Marlins Park. He is fucking atrocious with the bat. I've said it a thousand times, and I kicked the shit out of Kevin Acey on Twitter while I was at it. (laughs) If he didn't play shortstop, he would 
barely be a big leaguer, a fringe major league player at shortstop. Yeah, and I mean, let's... Perella has has no home runs. Freddie Galvis has three <laughs> more home runs than Perella. Perella's been so terrible, you can't multiply or divide any numbers by his home runs because you can't divide anything by fucking zero. <laughs> That's how terrible he's been, and yet he's still at second base. Yeah, he's been absolutely atrocious. And, you know, people are talking about how weak the division is. Yeah, the division's weak, and guess what? We're on the bottom of it. Still. We're, on the bottom of we're it. Still, still in last. The Diamondbacks lost like 69 games in a row, and nice. they're still in first place. Nice. The Dodgers have been uh, riddled by injuries all years. Are all year. The Rockies are underperforming. They're still right around. Well, the Rockies are performing just fine with Bud Black. That's well, what I'd expect. True, true. I mean, but even then, the Rockies. <laughs> That's baseball, Eric. The Rockies are two and eight in their last ten. So the Padres go on this big, huge. They had a great month of May. They had a great month of May. Matter of fact, the month of May is going to be the one where at the end of the year we're like, oh shit, it's last year's June. Exactly. Oh shit, man, or we July. have the ninth overall pick. Oh man, if this went, if this went this way, this went this way, we'd have the number one overall pick. Well, that's what the month of May is going to be for us this year. Actually, I think that works out for the month of May because we got the two shittier teams out of the way. The Marlins and the Reds are clearly worse than the Padres, but now you know with the Rockies being better, the Dodgers being better, the Diamondbacks being better, they're going to get a clump of those games made up for towards the end of the year to make up for that winning month. So I do think there's still a chance they can get a top five pick. It's just going to take some uh, clobbering time to do that towards the end of the year. <laughs> well, my point is, is how good they were in May. They're still five games under 500, and they're still in dead last in a week NL West. It's a complete mirage. A complete mirage. Absolutely. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah, and dude, the, the media here is losing their shit. And it goes back to what I, what I honestly think about all this and who I blame when it comes to all this. I told you before. I blame the fucking Chargers. I blame the Chargers for leaving because the Chargers have left, and so everyone in this town has realized or starting to realize that no one gives a fuck about the Chargers. So they can't sit there and base their entire show, their entire radio station around covering the Chargers because no one listens. So they're sitting here, hmm, we got to figure out something else, and no one wants to hear us talk real, talk realistically about this team. So guess what? Hey, they're only five out. Let's spin this like we have a chance so we can get Joe Dickhead, so we can get his dick card and he'll tell his friends and he'll tell his friends and this is how they're trying to generate buzz on the team i hate it i blame the chargers for this 100 absolutely 100 absolutely it's all I... dean spanos's fault yeah, fuck fuck that guy <laughs> fuck that guy they still flying planes over there telling him to pay his rent or doing whatever i don't know man but i'm gonna get a gofundme started <laughs> i'm either gonna buy a van buy a padre van or i'm gonna get that i'm gonna get that plane going over the, the but you're not gonna put anything person. in the GoFundMe for the padre van right we're no. all gonna pay for it yeah you guys okay. are gonna pay for it i figured what about uh Fryerfield's amazon wish list is the uh <laughs> is the van on that wish list you know i saw some guy say that uh friar phil kind of side note on friar phil we love friar phil by the way he brings a lot of joy to the masses yeah but still i saw some guy say that he like friar phil was asking for stuff on his amazon wish list and some guy i guess fell for it and bought him stuff and then friar phil blocked him wow so, yeah, I don't. Boy, I don't that's know. the uh, that's I guess the Twitter epitome of uh, hit it or quit it, or hit it and quit it. Yeah, one and done. Seriously, dude. So I, I don't know if that's true or not. There's a bunch of people who always you know make yeah. shit up, but if that's true, man, that's a bad look for Firefill. And then he's going on there today, and I generally enjoy Firefill's videos, but he went on there today saying, "Oh, hey, they don't have a senior discount," which they do. <laughs> they, they might have a military discount, but you know the military they make enough money. They don't need a discount. What, what world is he living where the military makes enough money? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, back to the Padres. Here's the other thing I want to go. I want to touch on um, that I thought about is that I know we want to see progress with the team, right? Progress with the team does not translate to wins and losses. The Padres winning 65 games one year and 70 games the next year 
does not equal progress. It's not that black and white. Here's how I look at progress. Manny Margot, love Margot, right? Think he should be playing every day. He's not playing every day. He's not playing every day because he's been unlucky and has struggled. And because of that, he's being benched and his development is being hindered. That's a backward step. Regardless of the win-loss record, that's a backward step. Hunter Renfro, not playing every day. Looking like he's developing, but still not playing every day. Being, you know, not platooned, but kind of moved in and out. That's a backward step. Villanueva, playing mostly every day, despite what AC will tell you. He's played in all but like 10 fucking games, you idiot. But, you know, playing mostly every day. Slugging over 500. The on-base could be a little bit better, but he's still above league average. He's probably their second or third best player on the team. That's positive development, regardless of win-loss, right? Eric Hosmer is hitting 30 40% above league average. Been absolute all-star for them. Positive. A free agent signing that actually is, is panning out, at least in the first out. year, yes. Right? That works. Myers getting hurt, not playing every day. Bad progress, right? That's what I look at in terms of seeing this team progressing forward. You have to let go of wins and losses being a measuring stick for is this franchise moving forward and developing in a positive manner because the wins don't matter right now. The wins are only going to matter when they get Urias and Tatis and Quantrill and Allen and Baez and Gore and all these prospects and Lucchese back in, right? Lauer is doing better, so that's progress. Lucchese was doing well, that's progress. But that's how you have to look at it. You cannot look at wins and losses and say, well, they're going forward. Look who they're doing it with. Perella at second, Galvis at short. Lyles, Ross, Richard in the rotation. That's not progress seeing that team win because that team isn't going to be here next year. Galvis is done. If they sign him as a backup, great. But he should be done. Really, they should run fucking Dusty Coleman out there next year for three months until they feel Tatis is ready. And by the way, if you didn't know yet, we were bullshitting about trading Tatis before anybody doesn't catch I it. Think, I think people have gathered that by now. Who knows? You never know these days. Yeah. But really, like Galvis isn't going to be here next year. Perella shouldn't be here next year. Really, Spangenberg and Aswahi shouldn't be here. Caesar shouldn't be here. Jankowski shouldn't be out there every day. Renfro and Reyes, one of those two guys, actually both of them probably won't be here next year. That's eight fucking guys I just rattled off. Then you look at Ross, Richard, Lyles. Those three guys shouldn't be in the rotation next year. Who the hell else is in the rotation right now? I don't even know. Dude, I don't give a shit about the rotation. Mainly Lyles, who just gave up a two-run bomb to Marcelo Zuna. Um, But you have guys... Well, I mean, there's there's Lauer. He's a future piece. Exactly. He's been hurt. See, here's the thing. If if the team was performing... Strom is a guy that should be here next year. Yeah, if the team was performing this way and you were seeing this kind of progress, to your point, out of guys like Lauer, Lucchese... Um, let's say Lockett had a spot in the rotation because they got rid of, of Clay Dick and whoever. If there were people that you're calling up from the minors and you said, hey, sink or swim, this is a year where we're going to see what we have out of you, and it turns out to where we are five games back in a weak division, then I'm stoked because you're right. It shows progress. But at this point, when you have nobodies here who aren't going to be anybody in the next couple years for us, it's kind, it's, it's nothing. It's it is. nothing. These wins mean absolutely jack shit. All they're doing is hindering us. Now imagine... The Padres, what they pick, seventh overall, right? Yeah. So they got Weathers. A great pick. The consensus seems to be a great pick. It does seem like it's a really good pick. He does. I mean, he's a, people don't know this, but he's actually on their fucking college basketball team while he was at it. So a real athlete, even though he's a big guy, but not too far from a talent standpoint from uh, Lubator, who is the guy we all thought they were going to pick, right? Right. Now imagine if the Padres had a top three, top four pick. These, this is the thing you have to look at. We got Gore. 
because Preller went all in. Last year, the team overperformed. They well overperformed the run differential. I bet you right now, if I look up their damn run differential, they're probably overperforming it this year while they're at it. They're still in the negative. They are still in the negative, yes. Um, right now, they should be... Uh, they're 31-36, and 36, so they're only two games over their run differential. So not not too, too overperforming. But you have to understand that these wins don't mean jack shit. All they're doing is hindering the team going forward because instead of having a top-five pick, which means... More money to blow in the draft. It's a bigger slot bonus. That's why the Padres got Phil Hughes. To I was going to say, guess what? Bonus. You don't have to make those trades. Yeah, you don't have to take on <laughs> $7 million of Phil Hughes. Who who knows? Maybe he, you know, maybe they figure it out with him. And, you know, They have Thoracic Park now. Yeah. You know, maybe they figure it out with him too. But you don't have to make those trades and eat that salary to gain eight hundred k. You can actually just have that bonus. And even if you do, now you have 800000 more on top of your top three slot bonus to go spend on prospects. So... These wins don't mean anything. The Padres, quote-unquote, competing, being five games out, all it's doing is hindering them. Because at the end of the day, most of the guys that are on this team contributing to this run that they're having, you know, five games out, really aren't going to be here. Yeah, they're not. Now, if the trade trade deadline comes along, and we trade Ross, and we trade Hand, and we trade Yates... We trade Yates, we trade these guys, and then the tank really starts coming on. Oh, people are going to be pissed. They're going to be mad as hell. We were in it. We were in it. No, we were never in it. Togerson told me we're only five games back. Higgins said that now that the finals are over, we're going to get excited about the Padres. What happened? Exactly. What happened is exactly what, if you pay attention, you would have known was going to happen at that point in time. So, I don't I don't know, man. Like... It's the, the the team where they're at now, you have to play the kids. We've said it all along. You have to play the kids. And if you do not trade these guys at the deadline, Tyson Ross especially. So our sources have have told us that um, our sources were asking, or the person who we know, our source was asking the source. Guys, it sounds so douchey. About Tyson Ross, because this person really likes Tyson Ross. And if you have listened to our show for long enough, you can probably connect the dots on where I'm going with this. This person loves Tyson Ross and says, oh, my God, like we're not trading Tyson, are we? And the uh, person high up in the Padres organization says, I don't think you have anything to worry about there. Now, if he's just blowing smoke, fine. I hope so. That's fine. But if they hold on to Tyson Ross, like he Absolute says, fucking oh, failure. Again, God. you are getting a second chance... To trade Tyson Ross. They should have traded him the first fucking time. One thing I do want to point out he's real quick. He's even better now than he was before. I wouldn't say that. I think he's regained the value. He just has less control. And now there's injury history. Well, true. But, you know, I mean, still. like, as far as statistically, the numbers he's putting. Yeah, out. he's he's still doing very well. He's pitching very well. Um, by the way, the Padres are 11th in winning percentage going into today, according to baseball reference. So if they trade off their best pieces, very realistic. They can finish in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, but back to Tyson Ross. You know, they had an opportunity to trade him the first fucking time. You know, when I look at his numbers the first time he was with us, you discount you discount 2016 because he obviously was hurt. But those other three years, you're looking at three years where he had a 307 ERA. He had a 115 ERA+. So 15% above league average in run prevention. You know, he's striking out nine guys you know, per nine innings. Walking three and a half, which isn't great. But he was a legitimately good pitcher. Not a, I mean, an ace on this team. But, you know, nonetheless, a very good number, a solid number two, a really good number three, a really good number three in those three years. You look at the advanced metrics, you know, you look at war. He was 7.3 wins above replacement in those three years. And only two of those years, he was actually a full-time starter. So if you take out, just put his two years where he put 195 and 196 innings of work in, those two years alone, 
He was worth, uh, let's see, six wins above replacement. That's a three-win pitcher. That's fucking great. You have an opportunity to cash in on that because they missed the fucking boat trying to go all in that year, Preller's first year in. They missed the boat. They have a chance to do it again. They have a chance to trade him. When and totally speaking. redeem themselves. Yes, and totally redeem yourself, AJ. <laughs> he's got a 112 ERA+, 12% above league average. Run prevention-wise, he's right there. So this is your shot to move him now when his value is peaking. And there are teams out there, and we'll touch on that later uh, with our Twitter questions. But there are teams out there who would be willing to move some decent pieces. I don't think it's going to be a top 50. It might be a top 100, maybe. Maybe a one-for-one one like they got with Pomerantz. But that kind of player... I'd to prefer get, the one-for-ones one, one at this point. As would I, because I think you'll get a better player with a one-for-one. One. I know people want quantity, but you go for quality. You go for the best package out there. You go for the best player out there. Right. Um, if you guys follow, I would highly advise following good old Craig Meddy's periscopes. But he mentioned it. <laughs> get the best package out there. Don't settle. Don't look for position. Whatever the best offer is, this is the best prospect. These guys are offering us three C-level prospects for Ross. These guys are offering one C-plus or B-player uh, prospect. Take it. You take the best offer. But they have to capitalize on this because they got fucked not trading Headley when they should have traded him. And they got fucked not trading Ross and Kashner when they should have traded him. Kashner panned out with what they got for him. But Ross didn't. They got jack shit. They non-tendered him. And now they have a chance to capitalize one more time. They have to take advantage of it. Yeah, because if they go through the whole season and they don't trade Ross, what happens? Well, you know, are you going to offer him a qualifying offer? What's that going to be, 18 mil? Probably. You, you well, it keeps going that? up. It might be 20 at the rate they're going. <laughs> yeah, you're going to offer him that? No. Okay, you're not going to offer him that. Are you going to sign him to an extension? Maybe sign him to a two- or three-year extension. That'd be no. great. But guess what? You can sign him to a two- or three-year deal if you trade him right now. But you don't you need to. You can still trade him. You can still sign him. Look how many arms I they have I know you don't close. need to. I'm just saying. Yeah. This team loves Tyson Ross. They clearly love Ross. And, uh, which I, I do, too. I, he's I, he's done great for us. He has. He's been great. He's been absolutely amazing. For He's been an above-average pitcher pretty much the entire time he's been here. But... Look at how much pitching these guys have to go through. You've got Lauer and Lucchese. You know, Lauer hasn't done well. He's got like his, his, his expected year. Fielding independent pitching, his year is almost six. So he hasn't done great. But you have to let him develop. Lucchese, you have to let him develop. Quantrill is starting to get on a roll here. Even if, worst case scenario, he's a number four starter, you have to let him develop. Logan Allen is getting close. When he gets healthy, Nix is going to be close. There's five guys already. They got a guy like Strom, who I actually really like. I really like Matt oh, Strom. I think he's a sleeper. They have Perdomo. Now you got seven guys all in their early to mid-20s who need to get innings, who you have to find spots for. Doling Tyson Ross out there is a waste of time. You only do that in a season like this year. We're going in. Most of your guys are down in the double-A level at the highest, and you need to let time go and development time pass to get them moving forward towards a big league club. Next year is going to be a completely different scenario because Quantrill, Allen, you know, will already have you know the year under the belt in Double A. Um, Knicks, if he can get healthy, will already have another year and be that much closer. So now you don't need to go out and give the Jordan Lyles of the world a contract or the Clayton Richards or the Tyson Rocks. You have enough prospect depth to bring all these guys up there and possibly give some guys some bullpen spots, like a Strong, like they're using Strong, two or sure. three innings as a as a uh, what do they what do they call that? Uh, Swing, not the know. swing man. What are they? The opener. Oh, the instead opener. of closing, yeah, yeah the yeah. opener. Okay. Which I like that idea. If they're going to use strong that way, give them two or three innings, and then go, you know, bullpen the rest of the game. I like that idea, but you have to find creative ways to get these young guys in to the point where you don't need a Tyson Ross anymore. Just trade his ass, get the best package you can. Trade Branham now. Hundred percent agree. Trade him now. You know, you're not going to get Glaber Torres. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, if you look at Brad Hand and you go to Fangraphs, and I know people hate it, but the best thing I've got for reliever value is war. That's the best thing I can think of is war. 
If you want to look at ERA, strikeouts, great. War is all-encompassing. It's the best I've got. He's up there, but he's not Chapman. And he's certainly not Miller over the last couple of years. He's not those guys. Never will be. No, he's not. He's that next level down. He's certainly not Kenley Jansen. No. Like, he's not those guys. He's not Kimbrell. He's he's not he's not even Batonsis. He's kind of that next level down, that second tier of really good but not elite relievers like those guys. You know, Chapman and Kimbrell, you know, they're borderline Hall of Famers right now if they keep it up. So you can still get a valuable piece for that. You can still get really good prospects for that. You're not going to get Glaber Torres, but you can still get a good piece. You shouldn't hold on to him thinking you're going to get the top five prospect, you know, based on saves or what he's doing right now. You got to look at the market and think, if they didn't get that last year, they're not going to get that this year, regardless of contract or control. But you need to move him now. His value is not going to get higher. And plus, you have a guy like Castillo coming up, looking He's, really good. Yeah. Looking really good. Which, and you got Maton. Yeah, you got Maton, who's... Um, Wigginter. Yeah, you got you got all these guys who are Munoz, making... Munoz, there's another guy. Yeah, but he's lower level. Still, but and he throws hard enough. Him. He might be hurt. Uh, we'll look it up. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll ask uh, Conniff next week. Yeah, but... m- maybe we'll ask him. But, um, you know, you have these guys that are coming up that are making guys like Brad Hand expendable. Because, again, you don't need a closer on a team like this. It's not going to compete. You don't need a closer like that. And if you need a left-handed arm out of the bullpen, guess what? You have Castillo. Castillo looks like money, dude. When I see him up there, he looks like money. They got Brad Hand and Kirby Yates off the scrap heap. Yates was DFA'd by the Angels. Brad Hand, I believe, was DFA'd or non-tendered by the Marlins. One of the two. But whatever up, they were offered up basically for free. They picked those guys up off the scrap heap, and now they are the heart and soul of the bullpen. They're the bell. You know, It's kind of like when they got uh, Heath Bell, right? They traded Royce Ring and... uh, what was the other guy's name? Something something Jones, or I forget his name, the outfielder, whoever he was. They traded him and got Heath Bell It wasn't back. Ben Johnson, was it? Ben Johnson, there, there you go. go. Ben Johnson. So And they got Heath Bell, who's a scrap heap pickup, right? Yeah. They got John Adkins, uh, who they sent in that deal too. Another scrap heap pickup. You know, they the Padres have never had an issue. Mike Adams was a free agent signing um, when they got him. Yeah. They've never had issues they finding even, relievers. They even had that one guy... Um, what what was his Rod name? Beck? No, what was his name? He he was a reliever here a while ago. He he kind of went to the uh, the Cardinals um, uh, Latin guy. Uh, oh oh yeah, uh, Mujica. Yeah, Mujica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who did they get for him? Who did they trade? They got Cameron. They traded Cameron. Ma- they traded Mujica to get Cameron Maven. I'm just fucking. I know. Yeah, you can always find guys at the back end of the bullpen. They find so. them all the damn time. Yeah. They come out of nowhere. Simber is a prime example. Yeah. No, nobody would have ever looked at Simber and thought major league reliever. There he is. There he is, putting up decent numbers. Kirby Yates off the scrap heap, sucked, came over here. All of a sudden, he's good. Yeah. And that doesn't include guys that may end up being bullpen guys like Lamette. You know, Lamette could very well be a bullpen guy. So, to me, you don't hold on to guys when you have that. And fuck, I forgot to mention Lamette when he comes back next year. On top of the other seven or eight guys true. I already mentioned, Very so true. you don't hang on to short-term pieces when you need long-term, you know, gains. You trade those short-term pieces for long-term gains, regardless of what they are. The Solarte deal is a prime example. Edward Olivares gets over here, high upside, could play center. Even if he doesn't pan out, it's a good trade. You get the salary out of the way, and you get a good prospect who has some upside. Even if he doesn't pan out. Perfect baseball move. Throw a bunch of shit against the wall and yeah. eventually hope that something sticks. Absolutely. That sounds like my dating life. Just throw a bunch <laughs> of swipes against the wall and hope one swipe comes back. Exactly. Exactly. So Just we'll hopefully see. it pans out a little bit better on the Padres end than it is for uh, hashtag single dad. Well, plus, uh, Perdomo just came back from injury down with El Paso. So I'll be interested to see if they pull him up or if they continue to do a bullpenning game. 
um, because they last Wednesday uh, had a bullpen game against the Braves and ended up winning that game. And I was texting AJ. I said, hey, I said, if I was a betting man, I'm putting a lot of money on the Braves today because I don't, I don't know about this whole bullpenning, uh, this whole bullpen. I don't think approach. you could do it more than twice. <laughs> You'd yeah. have to have a couple of arms. I feel but like I don't they've done it. a couple times, but I mean, if well, that's how they're going to stretch out Strom, I I like it because if I the think days Strom match is a up, if the days match up and Perdomo's available, I think you need to pull him up and give him give him some looks. I do too. I think what they're waiting for is to see who they're going to deal at the deadline because I really True. think they're going to deal Ross. I have complete faith. I mean, Preller dealt, you know. Probably dealt Pomeranz where people were like, he's still got control. He could be a future piece. And Preller said, fuck that, and, and dealt him quickly. True. So, I mean, even last year when we thought Brad Hand was going to be the piece, he actually ended up dealing uh, uh, Maurer, uh, Cahill, and uh, what the hell is the other guy's name? Between two bases. Damn it. Uh, Booker. Booker. And then he got Ruiz, who, you know, as you'll hear from Conniff later on, rakes. Yeah. And then they got Strom, who's now, you know, he's the opener, but, he, you know, he's developing at the big league level he's you know looked halfway decent so i he have, might even get a chance to start later on you I, never know. I think that's why they're using him as the opener because yeah. they want to stretch him out stretch him out exactly I, I think that's why they got him um i think they mentioned it when they first got him that they they view him as a starter but obviously he's been hurt so you know ease him into it but i like the way that they're using him i i like that honestly if they use lament like that when he comes back why not yeah. hey go out there and give us two or three innings we'll throw strom for you guys can just backpack off each other and then you know we'll bullpen the rest of it but well, they're gonna keep a close eye on his innings anyways so yeah, i think that's perfect not? for limit absolutely I think that's perfect why for not him, i don't i don't think bringing a guy up who's been hurt um before and easing him in that way in a lost season anyways is a bad idea but it just goes back to the idea that i believe that when the move is out there preller will make it you know we didn't we thought hand was going last year he made a completely different move got two really good prospects ruiz obviously which was an absolute... St- even if they just got Ruiz, even if they just got Strom, I think that's a good deal. The fact that they were able to get Ruiz was an absolute hose job. So I do think Preller will make the move. I wouldn't be surprised if he deals Hand, in, or not Hand, but Yates instead of Hand, just because who knows what's out there deal-wise. But I do think he's going to make the move, and it makes sense. I know it's 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 tantalizing because they are five games back. They do have <laughs> enough prospects in the lower, lower levels to maybe get you know a, a, a decent upgrade somewhere. But who the hell are they going to upgrade? They're not going to take Perel out. They already have the upgrade there. It's Urias. Right. You know, there's no upgrade for shortstop. You're just waiting for Tatis to get up here. There's no upgrade for third because your third baseman's slugging 500. First You're, base, right field, yeah. nothing. First base, nothing. You've got Renfro and Reyes competing for right field while Myers is down. Not, you're not gonna, you can't, I mean, you can say, hey, go out for real Muto, but um, you have Austin Allen who's smashing, dude. Honestly, so like, I, I think, I don't know what to think about Austin Allen. I think real Muto is the guy. Maybe not him particularly, but I think you go after a real Muto in a couple of years when you know for sure that Hedges is strictly a backup. Hedges has been hurt the majority of the year this year. I mean, he hasn't played in forever, and you're running. He Raffy is rehabbing. He's gonna be in the. Uh, he's gonna be in the lineup tomorrow in oh. Lake Elsinore, which Danny and I might be up at the game tomorrow. Chris Paddock's gonna be throwing, but we'll see. Um, Hedges is working his way back. He'll be back soon, but I feel like, dude, I'm, I'm maybe I'm falling into the trap of uh, watching and. And getting too carried into the numbers, but Austin Allen, dude, he looks like he could be the real deal. You never know. Yeah, Kevin Charity said, "Hey, within two years, Austin Allen's going to take over for Austin Hedges," and we love, laughed at him. Yeah, I love Kevin Charity. I stick with the scouting reports where he seems to be not very good defensively, and he's going to hit a little bit, but probably not enough to play first base. I think he'll be a solid, you know, maybe play him a hundred games a year, or, you know, eighty games a year catcher or yeah. DH first base type of thing, um, but. Uh, Nonetheless, you know, they have, they're still a couple of years away from really figuring out 
is this going to be enough? Because I still think there's some upside to Hedges. Who knows? But I think he deserves two or three full seasons to figure it out because they're not competing right now. And they have the prospect capital to go out and replace him if they need to. If a real Muto is available or even a Mike Zanino, I don't know how well he's doing. I'm just throwing off random catchers um, for yeah. guys that might be available. <laughs> but I, I think that you know they, they need to just trade anybody they can. If they don't get the right deal for Tyson Ross, I understand. But he's a guy that you just take the best package available. If they don't get the right deal for hand, but then a team maybe wants Gates, then yeah, you take that because you still have hand next year. But I think the longer you wait on relievers, the worse off you are. I'd deal both those motherfuckers in a heartbeat and bring up Wigginter and Maton and whoever else. Yeah, I would take literally whatever I can get. And during the trade deadline, when that comes up, Padres Twitter is going to be even better than it is now. So it's going to be really excited to see kind of the fallout and the reaction, the overreaction to the trades that are made and not made. But uh, Padres Twitter always comes through. So I put out today on Padres Twitter, um, hey, Padres Twitter alert, uh, what's going on? Hey, what do you guys want to hear? And we got uh, quite a few responses, which we appreciate. So the first one that I want to go over. My favorite segment. I know I say it every week, but yeah. it absolutely is. Yeah, so the first one, the one that I want to go over, is I'm going to bring it up now because as we are sitting here in the bottom of the six with two outs, he is warming up in the bullpen. Uh, MC Maggie at Elephant Vanishes. Which, <laughs> that's kind of funny. That, uh... An elephant vanished from KC yesterday when I came home. <laughs> I was just going to drop that joke. But she says, she asked me uh, how I'm going to get to 5,000 followers, but then she realized I only needed 3,000. So she's referring to having Phil Hughes come on the show. So yes. She wants to know how we're going to get to 5,000 followers, or 3,000 followers for me. I'm somewhere around 1,100 now, creeping up on 1,200 organically i would never get to three thousand. i mean you could in a really really long period of time phil hughes will be way gone by the time that i get the three thousand. hopefully we'll have traded him for somebody's top prospect yeah yeah i highly doubt that but so what's gonna here's what's gonna happen here's what here's how i'm gonna get to my three thousand. in case you didn't listen to last week's episode i'm not stoked about buying followers i'm not stoked well you better fucker give me my 10 bucks back (laughs) one because that's what dan cilio did and dan cilio bought like multiple like thousands and thousands of followers i wonder how much he dropped on that i don't know but i wonder that's, if it uh i wonder if he bottomed out in the wallet yeah he uh, he probably did that's not something i'm gonna power through i'm not gonna i'm not gonna buy a shit ton of or it's not something i'm stoked about i should say yeah i'm gonna buy the followers and a couple reasons why yeah dan Cilio does it. i don't want to do it because of that and then also on top of that i'm nervous that what's going to happen is i'm going to buy followers and somehow my account's going to get hacked, and I'm going to have to start over from scratch like H.J. Pro. <laughs> you so, had that happen to you the first time, right? Yeah, it had it happen to me before. Weren't you a miserable baseball fan? No, I was. it was almost the exact same thing. So you could probably find my old account. But, um, yeah, it's that's one thing. I'm like, I don't want to start over from scratch and have to go that route like H.J. did. He did a great job rebuilding it, but I don't want to have to do that. But we'll see. It's worth it. If it gets Phil Hughes on the show, even if he's here for five minutes with us, I don't think he would come on. I would take a, this we... is Phil Hughes and you're listening to the 5.5 <laughs> podcast. I would absolutely take just that. Yeah, well, uh, Marver wants us to ask uh, Phil Hughes. Well, he's trying to get Phil, Phil to bite on on Twitter, but he wants us to ask if Poway is in North County or East County. Yeah, we should ask him because he's a North County boy, isn't he? Yeah, North well, County boy. He was in uh, Oceanside from grade from kindergarten to like second grade. Okay, that's so he North lived County. here for a little bit. North so, County. That's quite a yeah. We can ask him if he comes on. We'll ask him. But he said he even said he said, "Hey, if this guy buys the followers, then I respect that hustle." So yeah, absolutely. If he sees we me have it on 3, record, 000, Phil. If he sees me with three thousand followers and he comes on here, one. I'm going to completely lose my shit because that's going to be awesome. That's really cool of him to actually do it. Um, but I don't 
I, I don't foresee it happening. But let's let's try this, okay? So we're about we're about forty three minutes into the show right now. So what I want you guys to do when you hear this. Um, we always appreciate you guys retweeting the show, but if you could either retweet the show and at Phil Hughes, he's a P at PJ Hughes 45. If you could even just write to him and say, Oh my God, I can't believe what at miserable SD fan said about Phil Hughes at the 44 minute mark of the 5.5 podcast, just to see, cause I want to see if we can at least get him to listen and if we can at least get his attention. So if you're listening to this at him and say at PJ Hughes 45, I can't believe what at miserable SD fans said about you at the 45 minute mark of the podcast. I think it's great, dude. I, I think it's great that he's coming in and that he's engaging with fans on Twitter. I do too. I don't think players do that enough. They honestly. don't dude. I saw a rich screenshotted this thing that will Myers, like someone said, will you need to be out there. You need to be out there. It's not like you had surgery. Get out on the field and will corrects their grammatical errors he said clearly you're not a doctor <laughs> that's hilarious that's absolutely hilarious that's all we want throw us a bone well remember uh when uh will myers bat flip twitter account yeah they said uh oh you know maybe will will block me and then he blocks him <laughs> yeah no that's talia dude. oh that's talia yeah, you're that's right talia. you're right and then can somebody uh tell yeah. will to unblock me yeah dude wonderful yeah. will's twitter game is good um phil's phil Hughes twitter game is the best on pottery's twitter right now it's the best one going dude and we love it and i don't know when he says because he was on with the ut and he said oh you know the trolls just kill him with kindness I'm genuinely, I am not trolling him. Like I'm not trying to get, and I troll a lot of people. I yes, love we it. Know. I love it. But I am not on there. When I interact with him, I'm not trying to get a rise out of him or anything. I just dig that he, that he likes shooting the shit with us. Sometimes. Yeah. He and likes talking to us. He likes getting down the gutter with us. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I love it. So speaking of down in the gutter, let's get to the next question. This is from good old HJ Preller at HJ Preller. <laughs> Does Freddie Galvis have the greatest PR staff on earth to create the myth that he's not a one-war player? Now, this is in reference to my ass-kicking of good old Kevin AC. Carlos was asking about it, too, at yeah. C underscore Los R. He says, how aroused was Danny after beating up on poor little AC? So why don't, I'll let you have the floor. So here's here's how it goes. Now, I don't follow AC because I only follow quality Twitter accounts. But, uh, <laughs> like AC, Padres Erotica? Yeah, yes, very quality. <laughs> but... Uh, AC posts that Freddie Galvis is somehow underrated. He's an underrated player and that the Padres, you know, should think about, you know, keeping him while they move Tatis to third. Mind you, you know, Villanueva's hitting over or slugging over 500. So I go on there and being the dickbag uh, statistics pit bull that I am, ask how in God's great name. Great value pit bull. Yes, great value pit bull on stats. How in God's name can a guy who is literally a replacement-level player, a below-average offensive player, who was brought in strictly for his defense, considered underrated. And there were some guys that made some good points, um, you know, about defensive metrics and how he ranks. But the short end of it is, AC basically gave up because he had no facts to argue his statement and basically, per usual, outed himself as nothing more than a glad-handing Padres kiss-ass who has nothing constructive intelligent or intellectually based arguments to state and just goes on there spewing bullshit. And then, of course, got his ass handed to him by good old 5.5 Dan. Yeah, 
Yeah, dude, man, you when you go back and forth on stats, I'm like enough already. Well, first of all, I'm like I can't read this. I skim through it. I was like, because you I'm couldn't fall come asleep. on, but I'm at, I'm going against AC. I know. But, How could you not back me up on that? But then you do the same thing with Dave Palais, and I'm yeah. like, gee, I didn't do God. the same thing with Palais. I, I just made a decent argument about how RBIs are not a good way to judge players because Eric Hosmer has none, and he's been very, very good this year. I see you and uh, Patrick Brewer going after Dave Palais. I'm like, trust me, he has better shit to do in his day. I'm not going after Palais. I love Palais. Spew your bullshit. So, I love Palais. Daniel L. at Rand Platty. Um, he says, do all our hopes and dreams hang on one player, Tatis Jr.? If he gets hurt or doesn't develop, what happens to our championship chances? Well, if you're David, if you're David Marver at Change the Padres, he thinks that – or he said multiple times that Tatis has to be great or this doesn't work. I what don't, do you think about that? I don't, I don't I, I can that. see where Marvel's coming from, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. I don't think he has to be great for this to succeed. They have so much depth. That the, the problem with the – not really a problem, but the, the questions right now is that they have so many guys at the lower levels that are still developing that we don't know what they're going to be yet other than just high upside teenagers. I will continue to refer to Loggenhagen. Uh, and again, you can go to fangraphs.com, scroll down. They have the top prospect rankings for each organization. They have so much depth in the minor leagues that I think they can afford for guys to bust. Uh, if Tatis busts, it will be absolutely heartbreaking. I don't think it's going to happen, um, but he could. I mean, he could He could get hurt. He could break his leg tomorrow, and you know that would be that. Um, but I don't think the future of it hinges on him. They still have other guys... Who are gonna? You know, who can play shortstop? Who are probably really gonna move him off the position eventually, assuming that they pan out. They have other stars. You know, um, Conniff's gonna come on later, but he's gotten to see Ornelas. He's gotten to see Rosario. Those guys look like they're gonna be top 100 prospects by the end of the year as other prospects graduate. Um, in fact, Fangraphs just released, I believe, their top 131 or 130, 130 plus prospect list. They have like nine fucking Padres on there. Nine, yeah. nine Padres. Oh, some of those guys are gonna eventually graduate. So. Um, you know, and, and the other guys in the 130 are going to graduate. And I think other potters are going to make their way up through that through those rankings. So if Tatis busts, I think it'll hurt because I think from an impact standpoint, he plays an up-the-middle position, right? Premium position. He's a premium bat as it stands. So it'll hurt, but I don't think it's going to cripple their franchise. I think they have more than enough depth at other positions with other players that they could live with it and still be able to compete, especially with the pitching. Yeah, I think from everything that what you just said and then also the fact that they do have the financial flexibility to spend some money, maybe Tatis doesn't work, so you go out and spend some money in free agent. And the prospect capital to acquire. Exactly. So I don't don't think if Tatis busts, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think so either. There's plenty of depth. You know, if one guy doesn't work out, then you have two that could possibly work out. So I'm willing to sit back and wait and see. That's, That's maybe why... The, the possibility of him busting is maybe why I don't want to force him up this year, even though he's really turned it around in double-A. Uh, this is what I've wondered, and uh, we this is probably a better question for our pals at Madfires, is do you think that Tatis would, if there's any possibility, like maybe let's say he finishes the year out in San Antonio, has a great spring, do you think he could crack the club, or do you think that they want to see him go to El Paso? Does he need to go to El Paso? I don't think it's a bad idea for him to go to El Paso, and this is my argument. I think with pitchers, you can get away with kind of them jumping AAA um, just based on stuff. I think PV jumped AAA and just came here straight from uh, good old AA Mobile. Um, But with hitters, I think it's good for them to go to AAA because they're going to face, you know, guys on rehab starts. They're going to face the up and down guys, like the Walker Lockets of the world, right? Like, 
he's probably a fringe major league player, but you also face guys like Jordan Lyles, who maybe is a fringe major leaguer, right? Clayton Richards of the Worlds. So these guys that can pitch and can pitch well enough to at least challenge, you know, younger hitters and force you to adjust. So I don't think it's so bad if he goes to AAA and tear it up. I think they're going to do it anyways for, number one, uh, service time reasons. And probably, you know, even though I know it's, you know, a floating date, uh, the Super 2 status. Although I don't think that's too much of an issue. Um, I think it just depends on what they have at shortstop next year. I think they should, uh, Leisure Fryer asked this the other day, um, if not Galveston, who next year while you wait on Tatis? I mentioned it, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on air offer, but run Dusty Coleman out there for three months. Who gives a shit? Is he still in the organization? Yeah, he's still in the organization. <laughs> but, I mean, you just need a stopgap. You just need a guy who's going to be there for a, a little bit um, and then, uh, you know, wait for Tatis to come up. So, um, I, I think he sees AAA for a little bit. I mean, I don't think anybody thought Urias was going to be in AAA this long. And we've seen him kind of just sit there for a little while trying to find a rhythm. So I, I can see them. If they're that conservative with Urias, who's their closest position player, I think from being an everyday guy, um, I can absolutely see them being really conservative with Tatis. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So Josh wants to know, uh, at Padres2021, he's asking me, when am I getting lit with at Bluntly Padres? <laughs> I don't know, man. You haven't been invited on yet. Well, they, dude. Here's the funny thing. They've said the last two episodes, maybe even three. They're like, "Hey, our our uh, first guest is gonna be miserable Padre fan," and I haven't heard anything from either one of them. Like, That's because they're so fucking baked by the end of the episode, they forget to DM you. Yeah, neither one of neither Why one don't of you them slide into have their reached DMs? him. I did or roll into their DMs. I, I did. Should say. Uh, Lujan and I follow each other on uh, Snapchat, so I was talking with him a little bit. Sexy. Yeah, talk, talking with him a little bit, and uh, we're working on it, so we'll see. But here's the thing. Like, I'm not a big smoker, so it's kind of weird for me. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, it's not that I don't want to do it. I just I don't really do it that much. I, You're also really immune to it, I've noticed. <laughs> Edibles get you. Well, now you say that, and now they're, it's going to make it their, their goal. To get you Their goal to up. get me just toasted. Well, but... uh, you'll have me on speed dial, so if I need to come pick you up, <laughs> I'll bring the trailer hitch. Yeah, no, I'm definitely open. I'm not a bit, when it comes to, uh, if you want to equate it to baseball terms and it comes to the uh, smoking and which levels I'm at, I'm probably in extended spring training. You know what I mean? <laughs> you haven't even been assigned yet? And these guys are getting ready for Cooperstown, so yeah. I feel like I'm a little bit... Uh, a little bit intimidated by them in that in that uh, regards, but I'm down to have a good time. I'm waiting. I'm I'm waiting, dude. You you guys can find me. You know how to find me. Uh, let me know. Set it up, and we'll we'll get down to business. So I'm Absolutely. looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Now, one thing I do want to go over because he's been in the news lately. Arturo Alvarado at underscore aaa eight seven underscore. Since Matt Flatos is back in the news, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he incited a benches clearing brawl in Independent League, of course. Uh, since Matt Latos is back in the news, was that trade underrated? It seems like a haul now. More um, like Matt Inflatos, am I right? <laughs> Inflatos, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but um, you know what? At the time, it wasn't a bad baseball move. Even at the time, you got an everyday first baseman, an everyday catcher, a, an above-average reliever who is good, obviously not here, and you got a number five starter out of it in Volquez. The only reason I didn't like the trade was because, and we've said this before on air, it basically closed the door on the Rizzo era rather quickly. Oh, yeah. Because they wanted a high-floor, low-ceiling first baseman who is major league ready now instead of a high-ceiling, um, you know, maybe a little bit less floor uh, first baseman in Rizzo who needed more time to develop. Um, so from a baseball perspective, it was always a good move. You got a four-for-one deal, and two of those guys 
are now everyday players. For a guy that throws every fifth day. Yeah, exactly. It was a it was a great move then. I think it's a great move now. Absolutely. Even more so. Just look at how God, dude. I saw that. You know, I saw that um, the brawl go down, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, that delivery, like that looks very, very, very similar to what uh, I've seen before. Like uh, it looks familiar, you know. And then you fu- you tweeted me, you're like, hey, is that Matt Latos? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, shit, that's Matt Latos. And then you know, other Fat people, Latos. other people were confirming it. I'm like, ah, oh, dude, it doesn't just doesn't um, surprise Surprised me one me, yeah. bit. Not so at all. not at all. I'm but, stunned. Yeah. So uh, the kept faith. They said they want 20 minutes on clobbering time. So let me ask you, why why are you the way you are? <laughs> I just that's just like, the way I am. What went through your mind to sit there and say, "Let me sit here in my tank top well, and slippers me, at me, the gym." They weren't slippers, damn it! They're sneakers. Selfie I'm wearing them right now. Do you want to see the tread on them? They're running shoes. <laughs> For God's sakes, they just slide on because I don't like tying. How my could shoes. you possibly think that was okay to one take the picture and two post it? Well, let me tell you this: I didn't think some <laughs> string being soaking wet with a brick in his pocket, who weighs a dollar fifty, was going to screenshot my Instagram and then post it on Twitter because he had nothing better to do. So that's number one. And number two, because I don't care. I should, I should probably admit something. I haven't told you this until this very moment. I begged Rich to screenshot you it. You son it. of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Because he didn't want to do it at first. He's like, dude, Well, no. I'm sorry, Rich. You still weigh a buck fifty soaking wet with a brick in your pocket and your uh, string bean arms. Yeah. But you, Mr. fucking KC Barbecue XL. <laughs> Dude, let me ask you this, because at today, I dude, I went to the gym. I was in the gym, did sprints and everything. I was, I got to get right after this trip. Yeah, how how many times did you heave after doing those sprints? Actually, I didn't. Believe it or not, let me ask you this: Are you and I'm? I've never been to the gym with you before. Yeah. I can almost guarantee you're the guy that gets done with the set. You drop the weights after you're done grunting. No, you get up and no. you walk towards the mirror and you stare at yourself for a good three seconds. That's no. you, isn't it? No. Don't lie. I swear to God, absolutely not. I okay. hate those motherfuckers. I go into the gym. And there's... take pictures of yourself and say, Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. I mean, I do that to goof around. In your, in your tank top, not this one in the picture, but I know for a fact that to oh, the gym, yeah. should you I, wear should a I, tank top that I wear, says weights before dates. Let me, should I just name off all my fucking white trash uh, Walmart tank tops? Go I've ahead. Got, all of us will not be surprised whatsoever I've that you're got, single. Well, these other ones are a little bit bigger, but I got the weights before dates. Uh, my Mexican one, I live for tacos. Sun's out, guns out. I love that one. You even like that one. That was funny. Uh, I've got a Baywatch one. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, uh, what's the other one? I got 99 problems, but a bench ain't one. Oh, God. That's five. I got a couple of Dragon Ball Z themed tank tops. I'm up to seven. Got some Nike tank tops. They're classy. Those are my those are my high-end tank tops. <laughs> um, I've got some other ones. I have to go in my closet and, and look. I've got all kinds. Of, oh, uh, the one in the clobbering time one. That was actually for you. I have a... Uh, uh, that's my USA uh, tank top right there. My my US flag tank top. It's just gray and black. But... What are you trying to get on Jersey Shore with all your tank tops? No, it's just they're comfortable to wear in the gym. And to be honest with you, because I have you know mediocre looking arms when I lift my arms up, the tank top doesn't have sleeves, so my belly doesn't pop out when my arms go up. So you know it it just fits. Um, and they're comfortable. I like it's. We're in San Diego. Tank tops and. I, I always joke with you and AJ because every time we go to hit and throw the ball around, I'm like, man, both of you guys lost a little bit of weight and you can't find a fucking shirt with sleeves on it. You can't be bothered. Should we to talk wear about your Michael sleeves? J. Fox uh, cutoff sleeve no. shirt <laughs> in your farmer's tan? I mean, no, I'm not the guy that does that. I go into the gym and I have you know a plan. I go in there, I do my thing, and then I get out. I don't, you know, when I'm fucking squatting 135 pounds or anything like that. So I go in there and it's you know. It's business only, and then, you know, making sure to look around at the scenery and <laughs> see if I need to uh, maybe slow down the old curl bar reps a little bit, uh, depending on who's around me. But Here's what I saw today also, and are you this guy? 
Couples walking up holding hands. Oh, never mind. I know you're not that guy. You son of a bitch. <laughs> so a couple guys asked me, North County Aaron, <laughs> at underscore Aaron 87. Um, I worked really hard, you sons of bitches. <laughs> uh, Aaron asked me, North Jesus. County Aaron. Um, and then who else asked me here? Cameron Jose. They're asking about the meat sweats after my uh, Padres meat Twitter trip to KC. So we kind of, we talked <laughs> about that. It's fucking hot in here right now. I have the meat sweats as we speak. It is, dude. We kind of talked about it from the beginning. So for those of you who have been to Kansas City before, I don't know how many of you that listen to this have been there. I'll kind of rank them. So the ones I went to, um, I'll rank them in order. Uh, Q39 was amazing. That was the one that I sent you guys. Real quick, I just want to ask you before you get into the rankings, how sad are you that you're gonna have to go to like Phil's Barbecue for premier barbecue in San Diego now? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, like, dude, Phil's doesn't come. Phil's is nowhere close to. Any yeah, of those I places. figured as much. But Cali Comfort's pretty close, dude. Is it? It's pretty close. I don't know if you've ever. I don't think you've ever been to Cali Comfort. I have not been. It's pretty close, man. Like I, I'll, I'll be honest. It's no. I love Cali Comfort. I love Sean Walsh. He's great. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put them above like Q thirty nine. But the fact that you but can rank them there. sixth is pretty damn good considering you just went to the fucking haven of barbecue. It's up there. They they are up there. Like um, but if I had to rank them, so Q thirty nine was the best. It was absolutely amazing. Their burn ends were incredible. Um and then going down from that, I'd have to go that caterer. It's called Crazy Good Eats. They're out of uh it's pronounced it's spelled O L A T H E, but they pronounce that it That was the wedding food. Olath. Or Olatha. Oh, okay. But that was, uh, um, that was a the wedding. wedding. That was catered from the wedding. It's called Crazy Good Damn, Eats. you know you're good if your fucking catered food at a wedding is number goddamn two. That was number two. It was, And probably because it was all you can eat. So <laughs> that was amazing. Stunned. That was, that was number two. Uh, number three for me after that, uh, I'd have to go Jack Stack. Jack Stack was really good. It was one that, honestly, we weren't really planning on going to, but it was the one I had two hours before Q39. <laughs> That was really good, and and the cool thing there is we got a big uh, a big plate that we we're gonna split, and I ordered the cheesy corn and I ordered the coleslaw, and they accidentally brought out two cheesy corns, and they're like, oh, your coleslaw's coming out, and they knew we we're splitting, so they're like, oh, here's your coleslaw. They gave us two coleslaws. Oh, nice. So they hooked us up. Um, they were really nice, and then um, after that, I have to go with Gates Barbecue. Uh, Gates Barbecue out there, dude. It's hood. Like it is. I put it this way. I grew up in Spring Valley, and it's hood. Well, I grew up in Encanto. Is it more hood than that? Yes. Wow. Kelsey and I were talking after we left there. I was like, someone from Encanto would walk in there, like, God damn, like we get it. So, <laughs> so these people are in there. Like when you're ordering, I felt uncomfortable ordering. They're just like yelling at you. They're like, Hello, sir. How I may help you? They're just How I may help you? They're just screaming <laughs> at you. They're screaming at you, dude. And the cook in the back almost got in a fist fight with the other cook back there because he answered his phone while he's working. Wow. Yeah. So they almost got in a fight over it. So it was insane. It so was for hood anybody as that's fuck. been to Encanto, it's basically the barrel of barbecue shops. Yeah. Yeah. It was hood as fuck. But it was really good. It was really good, man. Um, and then after that, the last place, and I hate saying last place because it was amazing, was uh, Joe's. Joe's Kansas City. That was the one in the uh, our first stop at the gas station. It's in a gas station, but it's really, really good. Really? Gas station barbecue? Gas station barbecue. Swear to God. The guy is in, he has a plaque there, and he got inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Wow. Which I'm like, first of all, I didn't know that existed. And second of all, I want to go. <laughs> so that was... Where is it? Yeah, that was that. And the coolest thing about that is I ordered a plate that, uh, that got, um, you got four pork ribs, and I ordered the pulled pork. And then you got like a side or like some slaw or something. So I ordered that. And when they called me up to get the meal, it was four pork ribs and it was brisket. 
Ooh. And they're like, oh, they're like, here's your food, sir. And like, oh, I'm sorry. They they put brisket on there instead of of pulled pork, and they felt bad. And I'm like, fuck it, I love brisket. I said, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, why not? So honestly, I wanted to order it, but it, that wasn't on the menu. But um, so I started walking away, and I hear, sir, sir, sir. And I'm like, oh god, they're gonna make me give back the brisket. <laughs> but it was a guy there. Uh, uh, you guy, fat fuck. I know. Here. Dude, it gets even better. <laughs> There's a guy on the line. He's like, sir, sir. And I walk back. And he's holding up a small side cup. He's like, here, I wanted to make sure you at least got to taste this pulled pork. What so a like, nice man. Oh, I'm like, how oh, was it? That's a man after my own heart. It was really fucking good, dude. It was so, so how does it good. hold up to, because uh, we went to Bobby Q's when we were in Arizona. Oh, how does, yeah. How does oh. it hold up to, I mean, how does Bobby Q hold up to that? Because that oh. was some real good, you know, your brontosaurus ribs. I would say probably right in the middle. I would say it's that's probably good. under the under the caterer. Okay. Under the So cater- number three out of? Three out of six. Okay. But yeah, so yeah, I was there for. Oh, man. <laughs> There for uh, four days and had barbecue five times. So I had a great time. But well, today, what the hell else are you going to eat over there? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Cracker Barrel. We went to Cracker Barrel for breakfast. Yes, I saw that. But yeah, we went there. Um, yeah, I had, had an absolutely great time there. But yeah, today, dude, back in the gym, did my sprints. I did uh, how many sprints I did? I did 30 sprints at 90 feet. Wow. Uh, lift a shit ton of weights. I'm wiped out, but. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go ride the bikes around the neighborhood after this is done. To, there you go. Because I gotta get right, man. I feel inflated and fat as fuck. I've, you know, you should probably do uh, keto for about a week just to flush <laughs> everything back out. Maybe, yeah, man. It might not be a bad idea. Yeah, maybe I should get on that. I don't know, but anyway, speaking of well, uh, flushing out, uh, Connor's about ready to get flushed out of uh, <laughs> Fort Wayne as he's been there for a little while. So we're gonna go ahead and go into our Mad Fryer segment. Yeah, let's bring him in. Yes, sir. All I do is that fly. All right, and we are back with the overlord of Mad Friars, John Conniff. Welcome back, John. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. It is always a pleasure. So John is on assignment uh, watching good old Fort Wayne. So we're going to jump right into it, sir. You've seen a uh, plethora of promising arms. Let's start with Patino. What have you seen out of him so far in your uh, trip? Yeah, Patino really impressed me. I mean, I, I think I was on the Darren Smith show today, and I, I said I couldn't believe a guy was throwing that hard. He was sitting with his fastball between about 93 and 96. When I was down with the scouts, so I thought, you know, it had to be wrong. So I went up to uh, guys that were doing the stat cast, and they were right. And the reason is Patino is about maybe 6'1 on a good day. He's a pretty well-built 190. But he just generates some incredible arm speed. And he has that little kind of Cueto shimming, which kind of throws people off. He's got a really good changeup and a decent curve, and uh, a lot of fun to watch. He's only 18, too. Now, how often does he do that? Because I've seen it, I've kind of seen it in um, highlights of him doing that little shimmy, trying to get, because, mm-hmm. you know, pitching is all about disrupting the hitter's timing. How often does he do that? Is, is he doing it every at bat? Is he switching it up? Uh, how often does he incorporate that? No, just out of curiosity. And I asked him about it after the game, and he said, "No, nah, it just kind of comes naturally." I mean, he doesn't do it when there's runners on usually, but um, it's just something he do. It's just kind of a very natural thing he does. It was worth me talked to Sam Ganey at the end of last year. I mean, Sam was of course raving about Mackenzie Gore, but he said, "You know, athletics as an athlete, and you know, close to pitching." He said Patino wasn't that far behind him, and he was right. Patino was really uh, pretty impressive. Wow, well, that's fun stuff. And then the and very next course, day, 
Uh, very next day after that, you got yep. to watch Mackenzie Gore. So everyone, that was his first start from his uh, second bout with the blister. Um, do you have any update right. on him from the blister? I heard heard your interview with uh, 1090, and it doesn't sound like he really wants to talk about it that much. I don't know if he doesn't really want to talk about it or he just doesn't care to. He, I mean, Mackenzie's an okay guy, but, you know, if you're going to question him, you better have something kind of solid to go with. And I asked him about the blister, and he said, yeah, it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> well, what finger was on? It was on the middle finger. Did it hurt uh, when you threw it through pitches? It's yeah. Any particular one? No, it kind of hurt on all of them, but now it's fine. And so you don't really know where to go after <laughs> hey, that. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, McKenzie, the one thing I noticed, uh, and this is why I appeal to Eric a little bit, is, and Travis said it too, is our guy in Fort Wayne, is McKenzie – you know, has kind of an edge when he pitches pretty well. He gets he gets kind of intense. He can get a little bit of a, what you call the red ass. And so, uh, you know, there was a pop-up <laughs> down by the third baseman. Nearly ran the third baseman down to get it. And I was asking about it. He goes, well, you know, he had that big southern drawing group. The center fielder in high school until they start calling me off. You know, those balls are mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, oh, that's good, so yeah, great. Yeah, he's, he's an athlete, too, yeah. Yeah, so obviously, you know, the first the course, first start for, uh, coming off that it could be kind of hit or miss. With um, When I went right. and saw Paddock uh, up close there, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the players on the other teams are taking uncomfortable at-bats, like super uncomfortable swings. Right. Um, he was mixing it up real well. Is it kind of the same stuff out of, out of Gore? You know, not from that start. The start, you know, when I saw him in spring training, it was like that because he was, you know, had been pitching for a while. And Gore was saying that he was happy with players. Yeah, generally where his fastball was, it was around 93, 95. It was a tick or two higher in the spring. So I think his, his changeup is probably going to get a little sharper. That, that was the big thing I saw in, uh, in the spring. And for Danny, you know, on, on the other side, Tearsone's swing looks just as pretty when you're close up to it, man. It's a gorgeous swing. Oh, we're going to talk about Tearsone in a moment, but one more big old strong uh, strapping young man I want to sure. talk about is uh, Mason Thompson. Of course, he threw today. You had some video up. Um, of yeah. course, you guys can follow at Mad Friars on Twitter. What's your take on Mason Thompson to this point? Yeah, when I was there with Travis, it was about the third, third or fourth time Travis was in pitch. And it was probably his best luck today. I mean, the main thing on him was his uh, fastball command. And Travis should have an article coming out on him. You heard his shoulder a little bit last year. So it's kind of been giving him a little bit of a different motion. And it's still kind of in the range where – He's starting to kind of feel comfortable really letting it loose. Today he got up to about 94. He touched 94. It was generally around 90 to, to 93. But, um, yeah, I think he, there's a lot left in him. Because in high school, I know he was up to 97. So um, he, and he's a big kid. You know, he's 6'7", uh, pretty solid 210. So he's someone I would keep an eye on, too. Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, Tirso. So basically, down. Yeah, there, let's right. jump into it. Tirso, Tirso, Tirso. Seeing the swing, he's he's as advertised, I assume. He was, and Tirso was my second interview in Spanish, so I was pretty happy about that. There you that. go. There you go. Now and is he so, going to throw you under the bus like Reyes? <laughs> no, and and you know, I'm not going to tell Reyes he threw me under the bus because Reyes would step on me. He's easy. He just squash it <laughs> and then move on. Tirso's a big boy too, though. Tirso is. Tirso is every bit of uh, six foot four and uh, two fifteen. Yeah, Tirso's really happy. The only bad thing that Tirso says is 
there's not good tacos in northeastern Indiana, which is surprising, of course. Shocking. Right? <laughs> Shocking. You should tell him what the tacos are like in D.C. and see what he says. Oh, no, no. We're, we're, we're just getting at the beginning of our relationship. He's not my BFF yet. You know, and our families aren't yeah. texting yet. You're not close to the young like man that. yet? <laughs> not, not close to the young man yet, but that'll come. Yes, know, that'll, sir, come. that'll come. He's a long uh, way up thing, to the major. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon you'll be uh, good friends and uh, he'll get you a seat in the press box. Now, one thing I do want to know about Tirso. my Tirso. nose against the window, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With Tirso, Eric and I were talking, um, and he said, well, Eric asked, you know, I wonder what Tirso's going to be. And I told him, I feel like he's going to be Adrian Gonzalez in the outfield. Do you think that's a fair comp, considering his swing, swing path, the type of hitter he is? Yeah, you know, I always have trouble when we do comps and we match the white guy with the white guy, the black guy with the black guy, and the Latin guy with the Latin guy. Um, Tirso just has a really smooth swing. I would say the difference on him. And Gonzalez is, I think Tirso's going to be bigger. I mean, I mean, he's really good size for someone who's just 18. And uh, he just everything works pretty well together with him. The funny thing is, he grew up, he wasn't a Padre fan. He was a Red Sox fan, which is, is kind of unusual. But the one guy, Padre too, fan. I should mention. For, yeah, that, that would have been horrible. <laughs> the other guy I think is passing is Jason Rosario. And, I mean, when you guys, he'll be up at Lake Elsinore next year, and I'll be curious when you guys get a look at him, because he covers an incredible amount of ground out there. Also, he's he's to, he's one of the few guys that's totally ambidextrous. Sam Ganey was showing me video of Jason playing second base. You know, he's left-handed and making throws right-handed. He can throw with either hand. He's just a, he doesn't switch it because he said he hates his right-handed swing, so he sticks to <laughs> the left side. Wow, that's amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, I was, yeah. was going to ask you, and now that you mentioned Rosario, I mean, is there anyone else that kind of stood out to you while you've been out there? I like I liked watching Estuary Ruiz hit. I mean, he, that's the one thing with Soriano it is. He's, he's incredibly skinny. He's about 5'11". He might be 150 after a full golden corral with Kevin Charity, you know. But... Um, <laughs> Can you keep up? He, he, he has some it? amazing power. Yeah. What? Charity or uh, Ruiz? Who would have the are we buffet power oh, or uh, home run power? Yeah, Charity would be helping him go through the buffet at Golden Corral. <laughs> yeah, but even after, you know, Kevin made Ruiz have about five or six plates, he'd still be about 150 pounds. <laughs> I mean, but he just has an incredible amount of power. But the thing is, I mean, defensively, that's, very much a work in progress. You know, one thing ask. that you do, well, one thing, you know, that you like about singing is, you know, I'm in Fort Wayne, so I come to the, the ballpark at about one o'clock every day and you'll see Ruiz out there with the coach. And he's taking about a hundred, hundred, 150 ground balls every day. You know, so he's not a good defensive player right now, but you know, he's, he's working at it. And that's really all you can ask. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You just want to see him work at it, and eventually you'll see the progression when he yeah. gets moved up. Hopefully it gets a little better there. Um, but, I mean, one one last thing here that I want to ask. I have not got a chance to look at it yet, but I know that you recently interviewed Keith Law. For those out right. there like myself who have yet to see it, what can we expect from that interview with him? It was pretty good. He was really nice. Um, we did it. He only had a, a certain amount of time, so I was driving up to Fort Wayne from Indianapolis, so I had to pull into a gas city, Indiana, McDonald's, 
and do the interview with him over the phone. But uh, it was pretty good. He talked a little bit about the differences between A.J. Preller when he was at Texas compared to where he is in San Diego, about why he thought the Padres were doing a good job in the rebuilding process because, you know, most teams, and I think you guys have talked about this a lot too, are not willing to kind of go all in on rebuilding. You know, like sign international players, trade major league players for prospects, and draft well. And then, um, you know, for Eric, I asked a question which he liked. I asked him, uh, did you, during the draft, did you see the Padres take any shortstop, any college shortstop, after the 10th round that you could see the team turning into a relief pitcher, going on to have over 600 saves, and 15 years down the road, you're voting against him to be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, he had a good sense of humor. He said, he laughed and he said, "No, but if I could, I would be all in." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! That's amazing. See, everybody doesn't like Keith Law. Come on, that's a great question and an even better answer. Wow. Yeah, wow, he had a, he had a good he's a, he's a good sense of humor. I liked him a lot, and he was nice when I I messed up one or two quotes, and he uh, he wrote back to me and I corrected him. So uh, yeah, can't say enough about him. He's a very nice person. I'm glad he talked to a little bank website like ours. So uh, that, that was pretty good. Excellent, and you're a very nice guy, John, and we always love having you on, so we appreciate you uh, calling in on site. We'll let you get back to the booth. I know you're doing color up there in Fort Wayne, but uh, again, everybody, you want to check them out, madfriars.com. It's a cup of coffee to uh, get a monthly subscription, at madfriars on Twitter. Anything else before we let you go, John? No, it's always thanks for having us on and supporting us, guys. We really appreciate that. Cool. Absolutely, sir. Thanks again for the time. You have a safe trip. Okay, take care, guys. Oh, great having the Overlord on, Eric. I love that guy. Yeah, always great. Hey, real nice of him to come on, by the way, because he's literally like he's in he's right at the right game. Now. Yeah, like he, he stepped out of the press box <laughs> to take our call, and he didn't have to do that. So we appreciate him coming no. on as as always. Yeah, so. we also told him last minute, literally as I'm, you know, Eric and I again we, every every week we go, we start texting each other early in the morning. Hey, what did you want to go over? Here's what's happened on Twitter. We start planning out the show. We think uh, maybe we'll have charity on, and then Eric last minute goes. Well, you know what? John's in Fort Wayne. Maybe we'll bring him on. Literally last-minute text at around 3.30. Hey, John, can you come on today? We know you're at the game. I felt bad asking because I knew yeah. he was at the game. And, you know, you know being the class act that he is, yeah. just, yeah, absolutely. Let me finish up this, uh, you know, uh, color commentary I'm going to be doing, and I'll let you guys know when I'm ready. So, of course, we always appreciate the Overlord uh, lending out uh, him and his minions uh, <laughs> from Mad Friars on us. But we actually have an outside Mad Friars guest, but a, a big Twitter commodity we got a pretty big guest next week, Eric, that you were able to book. Why don't you go ahead and break the news? Yeah, so uh, I was talking through DMs a little bit, and we're going to have Sack Bunt and Dustin on next week. So uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be in here with us or over Skype or what. I, I would hope he can come in and hang out with us. But um, one way or another, uh, we're hoping to have him on next Monday. Uh, so if you guys have anything that you want him to go over, um, you guys know him from the newsletter, from The Athletic. Yeah. Um, yeah, great guy, tons of insight. So we're excited to have him come in and class up the joint and uh, bring some knowledge so you two can geek out over stats and numbers and Absolutely. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not on Marver's level statistically. I know uh <laughs> I know I think it was uh I think it was our good buddy Bobby Cressy, who I just absolutely love Bobby, lovable guy. Wants to see uh great dude. Yeah, wants to see Marver and I and uh you know, H J and and basically the five point five and uh and those boys get together, but uh, I am not on Marvel's level. I'm not on the intelligence <laughs> level. I'm not uh, Gwintelligent. I'm Gwindum. But uh, <laughs> but Sackbun Dustin, another guy on a whole another level. But really a, a really big sign for us. I mean, the athletic man, 
They're they're snatching everybody up, and they're not snatching up ham and eggers. They're getting the cream of the crop of these riders. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, really stoked to uh, have Sack Bunt Dustin on next week. Um, so check in for that. Um, again, hey guys, make sure please uh, tweet at Phil Hughes. He just had a one two three uh, inning there on nine pitches, and I was blowing up his Twitter. So tweet at him. Uh, let him know that you heard about him from the Five Point Five podcast. So um, until next week, we'll be in with uh, Sack Bunt Dustin. Uh, we'll check in with you guys. We're out of here. And it's clobbering time. Time!